Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Welcome to December. We're going to kick the month off today talking about trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation, including the chances of opening up trade with Cuba under a Biden administration. We haven't talked about Cuba in a while. We will today. Blake Hurst is retiring as president of Missouri Farm Bureau. Quite a few ag leaders uh, retiring or leaving office for various reasons. Um, Quite a change in leadership in a lot of key ag positions. We're going to talk with Blake Hurst today about his time as Missouri Farm Bureau president, his his involvement, of course, with the American Farm Bureau Federation as well, and his thoughts on where we're at with agriculture right now. And we'll talk with Peter Vitaliano with the National Milk Producers Federation about the uh, dairy market, his outlook for the dairy market, and his thoughts on um, producers signing up for dairy margin coverage and uh, the opportunities that are there, the protections that that can offer opportunities for dairy producers, his thoughts on DMC coming up as well. But let's start things off with Todd Neely from DTN. Todd, good to talk with you again. Um Several things. Let's uh, let's talk let's talk about the Syngenta corn payments. The uh, final round of them announced this past week. Yeah, you know, Mike, this has been a long time coming. This case has been in the court for quite a number of years, and uh, we saw earlier in 2020 where a first round of payments had gone out. Um, since then, you know, we were told that in the fall would be the would be the second round or the final round. Uh, but it's been going on for quite some time and wasn't, we weren't really sure whether it was going to happen until next year, the way it was going, um, received a lot of feedback from farmers here at DTN, um, wanting to know where the second round of money was coming. And, uh, just this past week, we had a court motion filed in the U S district court in Kansas where the case has been ongoing. And, uh, it's for a final uh, disbursement of about, uh, 194,000 claims. Uh, totaling several hundred million dollars. And so uh, those checks are supposedly going out on the 30th of December or around that date and however long it takes to get to the mailboxes. Yep, a long process, that's for sure. Interesting comments yesterday from Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. And we're going to try to get Jeff on tomorrow to talk more about this. But he says um, maybe you should just let the Biden administration set the next RFS volumes. Uh, we're still waiting for the announcement for next year's volumes from this EPA, but uh, it's kind of been crickets out of there on on this matter. Uh, so Cooper's suggesting just wait till the new president, new administration takes over. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, under, under the Trump administration, EPA has been a real rocky road when it comes to the ethanol industry. And I think, uh, you know, in, in some ways, it, it feels as if some of those comments from Jeff Cooper, uh, you know, more or less refle- uh, reflects, uh, you know, the frustration that the industry has had. Um, you know, in some regard, it does make some sense because here we are. We're on December 1st. Uh, the rule was supposed to be finalized yesterday, and we haven't even seen a proposal. So, uh, you know, we had heard along the way that Wheeler is, uh, Andrew Wheeler has been looking at uh, some of the, the economic issues that have uh, have faced the industry, 
as a result of the COVID shutdown. You know, we saw gasoline demand drop significantly. Uh, so there are a lot of very uh, variety of, of issues going on when it comes when it comes to the economy. And so I think EPA used that as a way to say, well, we're going to delay this rule. Uh, but here we are, December 1st, and not even a proposal. And so, um, you know, depending on what happens here in the coming months, uh, it probably would make some sense if uh, if a Biden administration is coming in to let them handle it. Yeah, that just drags on and on. Uh, we have talked about this before, about possibility for the next Secretary of Agriculture, and one of the names that comes up is Marsha Fudge from uh, Ohio. Really no background with production agriculture, uh, but very involved in nutrition uh, programs and issues like that. And it's been pointed out that that's a big part of what USDA does, uh, handles nutrition programs. But what do you think, if she is, we don't know if she'll be the selection or not, but if if she is or someone uh, like that with no background in production agriculture, how do you think that plays with farmers and ranchers? Uh, well, Mike, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a tough spot. Um, you know, we've seen so many issues in the past several years uh, where you know a lot of questions have been raised about where is USDA on certain things, and uh, I think having someone in that position who doesn't have an agriculture background, I, I don't see that as uh, as as a good thing necessarily. Uh, you know, it's not to say that nutrition is not an important part of what USDA does because it is, and it's it's in so many ways linked to what farmers do each day. Uh, but I do think all the, you know, all the complexity of the industry and trade and uh, biotech, all these things that, that the industry deals with, um, you know, I, I do think it's going to take someone who understands what's going on on the farm. And I think, uh, you know, it, it would make some sense perhaps, you know, we've, we're still hearing about Tom Vilsack as a possibility. You know, he served under Obama for all those years and, and did a pretty good job. Uh, but I, I do think that it has to be someone uh, with with uh, a fairly solid ag background. You know, even if it's not someone with a farmer, I do think uh, with a farm background, I think it's got to be someone who has an extreme depth of understanding of the industry and all the, and all the challenges. Because if it's, say, Marsha Fudge or someone like that, isn't that sending some kind of a signal of how the administration sees the direction of USDA going in the future? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you're right. When when these appointments are made, they have uh, they have a strong bearing, and, and they they are a definite uh, you know a definite way to try to get some handle on on where an administration is going to go. And uh, you know, it's the same thing with EPA. Uh, you know, we're still waiting to hear about names from you know solid names on that position for administrators. Um, those, those things are very important. You know, they will, they will signal a direction. And, uh, I think at USDA, it's gotta be some, like I said, it's gotta be something, uh, that farmers can, can grasp onto. If it's someone who doesn't really have an act background, I think there's going to be a lot of controversy. It'll be interesting. And we do hear Tom Vilsack's name again, although Joe Biden has tried to make it a point that, his term will not be a third Obama term, but if you keep putting in people from the Obama-Biden <laughs> era back in office, it, it's, it kind of makes that a tough argument to, to make. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're right. We do see a lot of, uh, a lot of Obama-era people uh, at least involved in the transition. And uh, I think it would be naive to expect 
uh, you know, a Biden administration uh, to not go a similar route. I mean, these are the people that Biden and Obama worked with, and it would make some sense, you know, on, on that particular level that you go with the people you're familiar with. Yeah, we see at both parties a lot of recycling goes on for the a lot of these positions. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Good to talk with you, Todd. And uh, we remind everyone about the DTN Ag Summit coming up December 7th, 8th, and 9th. That's next week. And we encourage people to go Absolutely. to your website at DTN and uh, and get uh, signed up for that. That should be a great meeting. We'll talk a lot more about it next week. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, thank you, Mike. All right, up next. Could we see an opening of trade with Cuba under a Biden administration? We'll talk about it next with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Zenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Zenex Premium Diesel. Zenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Come experience the virtual DTN 2020 Ag Summit December 7th through 9th. Challenging times demand that you reevaluate your operations. The DTN Ag Summit will focus on ways you can build a more resilient business to farm strong. General sessions and in-depth breakouts will connect you virtually with farmers and financial experts. Have some fun and network with top farmers around the world. The DTN Ag Summit December 7th through 9th. Register at dtn.com forward slash ag summit. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk trade with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, Dave, do you think we're more likely to see trade open up with Cuba under a Biden administration? Uh, Seemingly, we were kind of moving in that direction under the Obama administration. Uh, President Trump has gone the other way. But to be fair, even under the Obama administration, it wasn't an open-door policy for trade. There were still a lot of restrictions, but we seem to be moving somewhat in that direction. Uh, Do you think Joe Biden would go back to that? Well, that certainly is something he talked about some in the campaign. Um, It would fit in with an overall idea to bring back the things that the Obama uh, administration had worked on and uh, see if they can uh, move, you know, move beyond what's been going on the last few years and maybe pick up, might say, where they left off with Cuba. Um, You know, let's see how amenable the Cuban uh, administration is to all that. I mean, when you think about what was done, we did establish diplomatic relations. U.S. agricultural products can be sold to Cuba, continue to be sold to Cuba. But the real uh, two things have happened that have kind of, you know, put a damper on that. As far as demand goes, um, I think a lot of people were counting on a increase, of course, in tourism, uh, cruise ships, uh, you know, docking into Havana Harbor from the U.S. There would have been more demand for U.S. food products there to uh, for those folks going to Cuba on vacations and all that. Well, that, of course, has uh, been dialed way back. So that demand didn't come about. And we have the old issue that we worked on uh, a few years ago, and maybe we'll come back again. Um, credit. Can't ship ag products to Cuba on credit. There's uh, U.S. law requires a uh, cash payment. Uh, we always viewed that as an impediment to our competitiveness. Uh, other countries, of course, can sell into Cuba with the normal, uh, ex- normal credit transactions. So that's something to be worked on, you know, F. We'll see how this uh, how this moves ahead when the new administration comes in. I've been and, and continue to be an outspoken proponent of opening up trade with Cuba. Um, I have had lengthy debates and conversations with people that feel very strongly on the other side of this, including Senator Marco Rubio and uh, some past uh, administration officials whose families are from Cuba. I understand that part of it, and I understand why it is such an emotional issue for them. But I think when you look at the big picture, because um, those things aren't going to change what has happened in the past, uh, I think you look moving forward. I just, I've never understood the other part of it, why we would trade with communist China and not Cuba. Uh, it's, not a, it's not saying we support or accept a communist form of government or some of the policies of them. But I've often felt Dave, we could have brought more change, positive change to Cuba and Cubans 
by opening up trade with them rather than trying to restrict trade with them. I just don't think this policy has worked, has not brought about the changes that were intended. And it just, to me, has never made sense that while not a huge market, it is a market we could probably pretty much dominate and flood product into. uh, And yet it's been, for the most part, unavailable to U.S. producers. Yeah, the the producers that have been able to take advantage of that uh, poultry, uh, we do sell some poultry in there. I know our rice producers would uh, definitely like to uh, expand that as a market. Uh, you know, Cuba buys rice elsewhere. Certainly, that would be a good market for us. So, the opportunities are there. If uh, again, some of the uh, the, uh, the barriers and restrictions can be overcome, we'll see what Joe Biden does. But I mean, there were, there were some moves made under the Obama administration, but there was a lot more talk than than action in many cases. As, uh, and a lot of hopes got up at some point, but uh, they, a lot of it didn't come through, as you've pointed out. All right, uh, talking with Dave Salmons with the American Farm Bureau Federation, I mentioned China. Of course, we do trade a lot with China, and we count on uh, sales to China, um, even though they're a communist country. Uh, so what's your assessment of where we're at? We've had some big sales to them, but others have pointed out that we still may not hit um, you know, certain benchmarks, certain projections of trade uh, so how, how do you view, is this half empty, is this glass half empty or half full? Well, it certainly has been increasing a lot this fall. Um, we had that interim report end of October that said at that point we were at about uh, almost $24 billion of all exports and contracted sales. Uh, some late information from last week, uh, we've had almost $18 billion of shipments. So a product that China has bought that actually has left the country. And, of course, you know, buyers contract for sales months and months in advance. So it's moving. We've certainly moved up our uh, sales of soybeans, of course. Uh, Sorghum, corn uh, have been uh, very strong into China. Where we'll end up at the end of the calendar year, we'll have to see uh, at the end of December exactly what the number is. We know that the goal in the U.S.-China Phase 1 agreement was about uh, $36 billion for this year, $80 billion over the two years, uh, ending in 2021. Um, strong goals. Uh, I'll put it that way, very strong goals. But I always like to point out, China buys about $135, $140 billion of agricultural and food products annually from around the world. So uh, certainly a lot of room for growth for U.S. products. And we're seeing as the Chinese economy is uh, rebounding some, um, they had their pandemic issues earlier in the year. They had a lot of other things that were holding them back, but they've been strong buyers now. Uh, we hope we keep that going and they live up to their uh, commitments in the agreement. They have been moving on the uh, standards agreements, the 57 different standards agreements. Over 50 of them they have done on beef and pork and poultry, dairy, horticultural products. You know, these were longstanding issues that were barriers to our moving product. And I think will uh, serve us well in the, over the long term uh, for growth in a wide variety of our products. So I think the challenge going forward, uh, if you're looking for the next administration, is make sure they understand the importance of this market to U.S. agriculture, and that we both keep going with this agreement and move on at some point. You know, there's always the idea of having a phase two agreement with China. Lots of other issues that weren't dealt with in phase one, but hopefully reinforcing the agricultural provisions. So plenty to keep working on with China. But at the same time, China's made it clear they want to uh, 
spread things out. They're not going to get reliant on any one supplier, and they've taken steps to increase purchases with other countries as well. Well, they always did, uh, especially in soybeans, have this uh, dual trade, seasonal, you know, from the U.S. in the fall and from Brazil in our winter and springtime as their crop comes into harvest. Yeah, they again, they buy from around the world. Uh, they're good merchants in that in that phase. But they, they did sign this agreement. Uh, again, it was uh, uh, different in that it had uh, specific uh, goals and targets uh, for purchases. And the uh, uh, U.S. government, we certainly will encourage to uh, keep working with China so that they keep meeting uh, their purchase commitments. Yeah, we see, we'll see if they abide by it. We'll see if the Biden administration will abide by it. They may want to change it, too. A, lo- a lot of the speculation that maybe Joe Biden would uh, go back to uh, getting us into TPP. Do you think that will happen? Well, you know, I think through the campaign, of course, you didn't hear a lot uh, there. But things have kind of moved fairly quickly uh, lately with uh, the Regional Cooperative uh, Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the RCEP, those 15 uh, Asia-Pacific nations, you know, China and Japan and Australia, the 10 ASEAN, Southeast Asian, Asian nations, New Zealand. So... Uh, it's not a comprehensive trade agreement. A lot of the details are left unfulfilled and probably won't go into effect until nine of the countries ratify it, which will be a year or two from now. But it is an arrangement. I think it you know, potentially poses a challenge uh, to U.S. Uh, uh, standards and economy in the area and working as well as we have in the past. So I think there is a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, ideas that the Biden administration has to think about as far as their broader strategy in the, uh, in the Pacific region. And perhaps joining the now renamed CPTPP uh, is a part of that. You know, we were, uh, a lot of U.S. agriculture was strongly for that, saw the standards uh, improvements, tariff improvements being a good thing there. Um, though in the meantime, U.S. has concluded agreements with China and Japan uh so you know we have uh strong agreements in that area but it's something i think they'll uh, they'll look strongly at both from the economics and from the strategic point of view in dealing with china yep we will see what happens dave good to talk with you thank you very much okay thank you take care dave salmonson senior director of congressional relations for the american farm bureau federation i mentioned earlier uh there'll be a lot of changes in a lot of ag positions national level as well as state levels. One of those will be at the Missouri Farm Bureau, where Blake Hurst is retiring as as Missouri Farm Bureau president. We're going to talk with Blake about his time at that position and his thoughts on agriculture in general, where we're at heading into a new year, a new administration. That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. 
optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Grain futures are mixed with higher row crops and lower wheat futures. Row crops are stabilizing from yesterday's washout. The balance of this week could tell whether Monday's losses were tied more to month-end than any major shifts in fundamentals. On the Board of Trade, March corn trading a fraction higher at 426 and a quarter of a cent. The May contract up a fraction at 429 and a fraction. November soybeans up four at 1045 and three quarters of a cent. The March contract up five and a half cent at 1175. Chicago wheat March down eight and a fraction at 576 and three quarters of a cent. The Kansas City wheat March contract down seven at 540. Minneapolis spring wheat March down three and three quarters at 549 and a quarter of a cent. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning with bids remaining elusive. Asking prices are around $112 to $113 in the south, but not established in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be higher with light to moderate box movement. Lean hog futures end in November by setting monthly highs, creating expectations of follow-through support developing during early December. Limited interest in live cattle trade may cause further uncertainty in the cash cattle complex through this week. Week. On the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading five cents lower at 71.35. The February contract up 20 at 68.77. March feeder cattle are trading $1.42 higher at 141.40. The January contract $1.62 higher at 142.67. February lean hogs up 85 at 113.75. The April contract $1.05 higher at 117.45. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 330 points. The NASDAQ composite is up 114 points. The S&P 500 up 41. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Seems like just yesterday that Charlie Cruz was retiring as Missouri Farm Bureau president, and we were welcoming in as the new president, Blake Hurst, and now he's retiring. Where's time going? Going by quickly. Blake Hurst joins us now. Blake, thanks for being with us. Uh, why this decision? 
Well, uh, when uh, Julie and I started out on this uh, this journey, we kind of had in our minds that 10 years was a enough time to get what we could accomplish, but not so much time that people got tired of us. And at the end of 10 years, we thought that was a pretty good decision, so uh, we, uh, we we packed it in. So it's been a been a great ride, and we've enjoyed it immensely. Of course, and your involvement and in, in leadership in Missouri Farm Bureau, uh, much longer than 10 years, way back before then. But these last 10 years as president, you've been very active, very involved in a lot of key issues. What are some of the things that stand out most to you? Well, obviously, the um, the thing you take away is the people you've met and the people you've worked with. And, uh, you know, agriculture is full of good people, and I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of them, and that's a, a memory we'll always cherish. As far as you know, what we've accomplished with the organization, we've grown over the 10 years. We've, uh, I think, increased our financial strength. Uh, right to farm here in Missouri, a constitutional amendment dealing with agriculture is a big win. We uh, have been very successful in our endorsements in, in political races. Um, we have gotten a few things through the legislature here in Missouri that have, uh, I think, been good for agriculture. And maybe more importantly, we've been involved in issues that uh, we were able to maybe put slow down a little bit before they did harm to agriculture. So, so I think overall, um, Missouri Farm Bureau has been influential, just as it has been for its uh, hundred and some years of existence. And, and I guess I'm proudest of that. Uh, just representing our members, doing what they think is important, and uh, working for agriculture. You've been involved on the national level on the AFBF board as well. Yeah, that's been a great honor. Um, I, I have enjoyed it. Uh, it's full of uh, really talented people, and the AFBF staff is is obviously top-notch, the best professionals in our industry. Uh, to work with them has been a, a pleasure and an honor. And again, uh, whether it be uh, regulatory issues on the national level or, or the two farm bills of the past, uh, while I've been president, we've, we've, we've made a difference for agriculture and uh, just been an honor for me to be involved. So uh, there's going to be a lot of good memories as I look back over my 10 years. We're talking with retiring Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst. Blake, uh, we're about, uh, I would say we're at another crossroads. We we come to a lot of these in agriculture but uh, and for our country. I think we're at another one right now. As, as you look ahead, what do you see some of the biggest challenges and issues facing agriculture? Well, we uh, obviously, I think that um, just our, our approach to trade has to be, uh, has to be, something that we we need, maybe need to communicate with farmers a little better about uh, as we've as we've gone through the trade wars in the last four years three years uh, I, I hear farmers who don't I think grasp uh, how very very important trade is to our industry and how much of uh, our future success depends on being able to uh, being able to market our goods uh, across the nation and across the world uh, so so we need to keep up for most I mean there's different strategies on how we approach trade negotiations, and and it's good that we've uh, strengthened our position or, or, or are looking at it a little different way. But we never can forget that ground truth, that truth of agriculture is that we are uh, dependent on markets elsewhere. There's just not enough people, not enough stomachs on um, the U.S. to consume what we produce. Uh, so so that's that's there. That's that's a concern. Um, secondly. I mean, you know, I'm a corn farmer, and those of us that uh, raise corn have to be 
as we go through this pandemic and we've seen the uh, the decline in gasoline consumption and and uh, the cons- you know decline in ethanol production and consumption. Uh, are we gonna Are we gonna switch over to electric cars in the next ten years, twenty years, thirty years? What's the timetable for that, and what does it mean for uh, the markets for corn? And obviously, if uh, if uh, if we can't sell all the corn we're producing right now, then it's going to affect other uh, crops too. As corn farmers, you know, switch to soybeans or wheat or whatever we do to try to try to deal with a with a disappearing ethanol market. So I think that has to be um, really a concern for all of us. And finally, you know, one of the themes of my uh, my time uh, at Farm Bureau has just been talking to consumers, uh, making trying. Uh, I don't think very successfully, but trying to help them understand how their uh, budgets and their diets depend on farmers having access to modern technology. And that's just a continuing challenge and will be, I think, uh, forever. So so, so those, there's three challenges. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite a bit. You know, and I was thinking, too, a lot of things keep coming back around, and now there's a lot of talk again about uh, – carbon trading a carbon bank makes people makes me think back several years when we got into the whole cap and trade thing but do you think it'll be different this time is there an opportunity here for agriculture you think i think that um you know obviously we still we still have a couple elections in georgia that are going to make a big difference uh to what our Mm -hmm. next two years looks like but there's definitely going to be a change in emphasis uh part of that change is going to be uh, um, more uh, emphasis on on climate change, more concern about climate change. Uh, I think farmers have to be open. Uh, I think all of us would uh, depend on the public support we've had over the past four or five years, over the past 30, 40, 50, 70 years. Um, and in order to keep that those funds in agriculture, it may be uh, that some of it is going to be tied to uh, tied to how we uh, you know work with carbon and sequester carbon. Uh, not a not a something that I think we can celebrate should celebrate, but but just being realistic. And so I think we have to uh, we have to be open to uh, different ways of uh, you know different ways of of using our farms to generate revenue. And it may be that uh, carbon sequestration is one of those ways. Again, not not something that all of us may uh, agree with or be happy about, but certainly uh, I think the writing is pretty well. We've got a pretty good indication that's where direction we're headed. What are your plans for the future? I know you do a lot of writing. You're going to do more of that. Oh, I hope so. Uh, I hope I have the opportunity. You know, you always have to have a <laughs> when when you write something, uh, uh, you, you got to have a market. So that's always a, something to look forward, to, something to work on. But but hope to do that. Um, you know, I spent the last couple of days. I had beautiful weather in Northwest Missouri. Spent the last couple of days. Um, with a chainsaw cut brush, so I guess that's in my future. A lot of brush can grow up in 10 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, Julie and I will, will travel, and it'll be fun. We've got uh, uh, all of our kids are getting, grandkids are getting involved uh, in high school sports, and I've missed a lot of games the last 10 years, so I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to, to being there for all their activities as well. Well, your annual meeting is coming up, and like uh, many events, uh, it's going to be different in these uh, COVID times. Yeah, we're doing a virtual meeting. Uh, we we held off to the last, last very last minute uh, to make that decision. Uh, now we're 
we're we're working hard to uh, get in contact with all the delegates. We're actually calling every. We got to have, you know, seven eight hundred uh, voting delegates will be registered. We will call every one of them and go through the procedure to make that virtual vote. And uh, it's not uh, not ideal, uh, but but when you have the responsibility not only for the members but the staff that would have to be there, and the, of course we always have the meeting at at uh, the Lake of the Ozarks, the staff at uh, Margaritaville. Uh, you just have to make these decisions, and like like everybody else, we're, we regret it a great deal, but we have to we have to deal with what the situation is, and right now it's not good. Yeah, and um, that meeting, of course, uh, your your successor will be chosen as well. Um, I just want to say thank you. I've enjoyed working with you over the years, and uh, a lot of good memories, a lot of good events. I think some of the events uh, on the annual trips to Washington, D.C., those have been highlights uh, for me to get to know members of uh, of your organization and spend some time with you and, and Julie. And uh, Wow, we've we had a lot of great events over the years. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we look forward, Julie and I, uh, as you may or may not know, I'm a member of the uh, Edson County Farm Bureau Board. And come to find out, um, that's like the Hotel California. You can check in, but you can't check out. So uh, <laughs> we'll still be active in Farm Bureau and still be, still be at Farm Bureau events and, and are so looking forward to being able to see uh, all of our friends in person again. I, I've, uh, my, my colleague in Minnesota, Kevin Pat, the president of the Farm Bureau, I saw the other day he kept track. Of all the Zoom calls he's done the last nine months, uh, I had a, which I got a kick out of. I haven't done that, but it's a lot, and I have to tell you, I'm tired of them. I'm ready to see people and um, have have uh, you know be able to talk with people and uh, interact with them in person. So, like everyone, yep. we're going to be glad when this is over. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm glad we have the technology that lets us do those things, but I'm about Zoomed out. I have Zoom fatigue as well. Well, Blake, thank you very much, and uh, again, congratulations on uh, a great career with Farm Bureau, and wish you the very best in the future. Mike, we've enjoyed working with you. You do a great job for agriculture, and I look forward to hearing you in the future and maybe even visiting with you again. So uh, thanks for your coverage of Farm Bureau and the work you've done helping us to get our our message out and thanks for what you do for agriculture you bet thank you take care blake hurst retiring president of missouri farm bureau all right up next we will talk with peter vitaliano with the national milk producers federation get his outlook for the uh the dairy market and his thoughts on dmc what uh, dairy producers should uh, consider when they consider whether or not to sign up for it or not stay with us you're listening to aoa Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners, broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, 
all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301. Call now and get your first month free, plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. That's 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership, including having a voice in how the cooperative is managed. Today, we're talking with Sarah Olson, who farms in central Kansas and chairs her local cooperative board of directors. Sarah, thanks for joining us. You obviously are very busy on the farm. What made you decide that you would also take the time then to become a leader of your local co-op? You know, initially, I didn't come from an ag background. So I started on the co-op associate board just to learn more about the cooperative system and what that really means and how cooperatives work. And eventually that turned into a desire to make sure that cooperatives continue to thrive. Um, They play such a large part in local communities and local economy. And they're such a big part of, you know, farming operations that I wanted to see that continue and to play a part in making, you know, decisions that would help the cooperative be here for many years to come. How has your perception of co-ops changed since you were elected to the board? You know, I first thought that cooperatives were a place that you take your grain, maybe pick up a bag of dog food when you need it. And I've learned that there's so much more to it than that. Um, I didn't realize the part that cooperatives play in local economy and employing people and providing services for the ag community. Um, It's just really broadened my outlook on the importance of cooperatives in today's agriculture society. Even if you don't have a desire to serve on the board of directors, talk to the people that are currently on your board of directors. Let them know issues that you have or things that you would like to see done differently or things that they're doing well so that they know that the direction that they're heading in is right. Kansas farmer Sarah Olson. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. 
Come experience the virtual DTN 2020 Ag Summit December 7th through the 9th. Challenging times demand that you reevaluate your operations. The DTN Ag Summit will focus on ways you can build a more resilient business to farm strong. General sessions and in-depth breakouts will connect you virtually with farmers and financial experts. Have some fun and network with top farmers from around the world. The DTN Ag Summit December 7th through the 9th. Register at dtn.com forward slash ag summit. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk dairy markets with Peter Vitaliano. Vice President, Economic Policy and Market Research for the National Milk Producers Federation. Peter, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been quite a year, ups and downs for sure. Uh, what's your assessment here at the end of the year, where the dairy market's at, where you see it going in 2021? Okay, yeah, thank you, Mike. My pleasure. <clears throat> yes, it has been an interesting year. <clears throat> I've been staring at so many of the charts, I think I'm uh, almost ready to dream about them. I guess the bottom line right now is that um, through massive government action and earlier this spring, uh, very concerted action by dairy cooperatives for a couple of months to to curtail milk production. Uh, basically, market prices have stayed reasonably uh, decent, um, except for you know the first few months when the pandemic really hit in April and May. Uh, the massive uh, uh, dairy product purchases, not only through the food box program, but through <clears throat> through um, uh, other ongoing uh, purchase and donation programs, has helped measurably. Um, there have been uh, very, very large-scale direct payments through the uh, CFAP uh, payment programs, both the first one and the second one. But <clears throat> that um, that government intervention is um, it looks like it's coming to a close. And milk production is continuing to grow after um, uh, a couple of episodes, both market-induced and, uh, as I mentioned, uh, cooperative and dairy farmer um, uh, put together. Uh, production is heading up uh, 2 to 3% uh, per year, particularly when you count uh, milk solids production growth, which is, again, growing somewhat faster than liquid milk production growth. That is uh, looking like it's going to outpace uh, commercial use growth with food service continuing to lag as we uh, go into yet another uh, major episode of the pandemic. So that's all taking a toll on the market price outlook. Uh, If you look at what market prices have done this year, they kind of mirror what's happened in cheese. Uh, You see basically throughout the middle of the year a giant letter M. Uh, with very strong upstrokes and very strong downstrokes, and we are about to uh, to go down the, um, the the last part of the downstroke, and we're looking at uh, the futures are basically looking at milk prices uh, staying in the um, below eighteen dollars a hundred weight nationally. Uh, for reference, um, they averaged about eighteen. Uh, 60 in 2019, and looks like uh, on a market basis they'll they'll average probably about 1820 this this year. And um, more importantly, for dairy farmers facing a 
uh, imminent deadline of December 11th to sign up for next year's dairy margin coverage program. Uh, the futures are currently indicating that we're going to stay well below that 950 uh, maximum coverage level for the first 5 million pounds of production history. Pretty much uh, for all of the months in 2021, uh, up through uh, at least through September, which is when the uh, the USDA decision tool is currently forecasting. So looking like it's going to be a tough year, producers definitely need to sign up for DMC. And that same December 11th deadline applies for applying for the uh, for the second coronavirus uh, CFAP payments. Yeah, that, that December 11th now that we've turned the page to December, the calendar to December, it's uh, right around the corner. Uh, let's you talk got- a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about DMC, dairy margin coverage, why you think that's a a good thing for producers. If they're trying to still make that decision, what do you see as the benefits to them at DMC? Well, the benefits, particularly with the the improved DMC program, which is going into its third year now, uh, which allows coverage up to 950, which is actually above the the average level of that margin, um, it's... uh, National Milk developed that program originally as the margin protection program, and we conceived it as a as an insurance program that producers should sign up uh, uh, would sign up for once a, basically once per farm bill for five years, like an insurance program. Uh, you buy your fire insurance um, um, as a standby because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. Um, you don't decide every year on what are the chances my barn's going to burn down and make that decision. Uh, <clears throat> the program was modified to allow every year sign up, which encouraged producers to look at what the outlook uh, seemed to be and make their decisions. And they, the record is not very good in that that regard. Uh, producers have consistent, <laughs> pretty consistently guessed wrong on that. Uh, we had a couple of years with improvements in the program that allowed producers to sign up after it was known that uh, that payments would would uh, uh, would justify the premium, but we're we're back now where producers have to make that decision. Uh, the Congress did modify um, uh, with that five-year reduced premium uh, plan. Uh, got back partly to that uh, you know five-year sign-up uh, idea, but um, as we saw this past year, produced the outlook going into 2020 uh, looked pretty good. Uh, uh, sign-up was, was quite a bit lower than it had been the year before, and look what happened. Um, so this year, again, we, don't, we, we really don't encourage producers to guess what the next year is going to look like because the predictions don't really, have not really helped in the past. But this year, they're definitely looking like uh, it's going to pay. So for two reasons. First of all, you should sign up in any case. Second, it looks like it's going. The current outlook looks like it is going to be a very, uh, uh, a very uh, worthwhile and profitable decision to sign up for the program, at least for the first five, five million pounds production history. Again, the deadline for sign up coming up December 11th for DMC. Peter, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Always good to talk, Mike. Take care. Bye bye. You, you, you take care too. Peter Vitaliano, Vice President, Economic Policy Market Research for the National Milk Producers. Federation. Well, that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Tomorrow, we'll talk about 
this weather market. That's right. December, we're talking about a weather market. It's the weather in South America certainly impacting the markets. We'll talk about that and a lot of other things uh, coming up on tomorrow's program. We hope that you'll be right here with us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today.